so often throughout the course of history, patriots rise up at a time of need for truth and freedom. These people are called disciples of liberty for their undying love of freedom. The call has been sounded. Will you answer that call or sit back and let freedom die away? Unifying patriots everywhere against the evil trying to destroy America's freedom. You're listening to the Disciples of Liberty radio show on the America Out Loud Network. Now here's your host, Tim Alders. Hello there, Brian Hyde sitting in for Tim today on the uh, Disciples of Liberty show here on the America Out Loud Network. I know you care about what's going on around us. I know that uh, at some point, shutting your eyes and pretending it isn't happening just is no longer an option. And, you know, what do you do? I mean, somewhere between you know, <laughs> grabbing a torch and charging the barricades and, and uh, otherwise improving the world right where you're standing, you, I guess you're going to find the happy answer. The good news is that uh, we we are finally, after a very, very long time, seeing a tipping point in the information war, which has been going on for our minds especially hard for these last couple of years. Let me give you an example. I'm sure you've heard about Joe Rogan's conversation with Dr. Robert Malone. And I have been beating this drum with my friends, and frankly, I'm grateful for my friends who beat the drum for me and said, you really need to take the three hours and listen to this interview. And so I have. And look, I'm no expert. I don't I don't claim therefore I know just as much as any, you know, doctor or MD out there. Obviously I don't. But I have to say what Dr. Malone is saying and and the openness with which he is able to discuss what he's discussing, keep in mind at least two of the major platforms, YouTube and Twitter, deplatformed this doctor as soon as they could. In fact, he went on Joe Rogan kind of as a result of being, you know, deplatformed from Twitter. So this is information that needs to be part of the discussion of what's going on. What are the actions that are being taken? Are they having the intended or stated consequences that we believe they would have? Or are they having, you know, other unintended consequences? Are we being told the whole truth? See, these are certain things we are just not allowed to ask. And so that conversation between Joe Rogan and Dr. Robert Malone may very well be one of the most important interviews that you've heard in ages. And I don't care where a person is on that whole spectrum of I'm going to be free and, you know, don't put a mask on me to, you know, I wear two masks and I'm, you know, quintuple vaxxed because I just want to be safe. It's worth your time. To at least consider the points being made, you can still reject them. You can change your mind. You don't. You don't have to accept a thought in order to entertain it. But the fact that uh, you know, Doctor, I, I think he, I think Doctor Malone lost something like five hundred thousand followers on Twitter. Which I mean, that's that ain't jump change. Those are real numbers. That's a person who's got a pretty serious following. So when Twitter said, nope, we're yanking the platform out from under you, you aren't, uh, you aren't worthy to live with us in this realm of pure information where there's never any misinformation or disinformation, which I think we can pretty much know is, that's crap. Come on. They're not the fount of all things that are true. 
But as soon as they let him out, or as soon as they uh, they deplatformed him, denied him a chance to to connect with his five hundred thousand followers, he went to Joe Rogan. And and the beauty of this is, and what, what I'd like to share with you are a couple of different commentaries that illustrate this is a tectonic shift in public awareness and a very long overdue challenge to the prevailing narrative. We've needed this often over the last couple of years, but people who speak up, well, they get targeted. So Dr. Malone gives up half a million Twitter followers. Somehow, I don't think that's a problem when he's picking up 50 million or more views on Joe Rogan's podcast. I've got an article here in front of me. This is from uh, childrenshealthdefense.org. Rogan and Malone, the most important interview of our time. Now, this is by a medical doctor by the name of Madhava Seti, who says something monumentally important happened in the closing days of 2021. Joe Rogan, host of the widely viewed Joe Rogan Experience podcast, interviewed one of the world's most qualified and unbiased individuals about the safety and efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccines now deployed upon, upon nearly 4 billion human beings. Now, Dr. Robert Malone, originally an academic pathologist, has run more than 100 clinical trials, mostly in the vaccine and drug repurposing spaces. He's been involved in nearly every infectious disease outbreak since the AIDS epidemic, has worked for the National Institutes of Health, awarding millions of dollars in contracts for vaccines and biodefense, and spent countless hours at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Advisory Committee for immunization practices meetings. Malone works closely with the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, knows Dr. Anthony Fauci personally, and is possibly best known for his instrumental work in developing the platform for mRNA-based vaccine technologies more than 30 years ago. So on December 30th, about a week ago, Malone and Rogan sat down in Rogan's studio in Austin, Texas, and recorded a riveting three-hour conversation. Rogan stands alone as an independent voice, outside of corporate media that's able to reach a politically and ideologically diverse audience of 11 million or more people per episode. Speaking of uh, numbers that ain't exactly chump change. Now, similarly, Malone's an outspoken critic of vaccine mandates who represents the opinion of a large and growing number of researchers and clinicians who believe our approach to the pandemic has been poorly conceived and stands in opposition to basic tenets of immunology, epidemiology, and emerging real-world data. It was clear both were prepared for the encounter. Rogan reported that he'd been following the doctor's tweets and has been reading everything Malone has been writing and was clearly versed in the latest and most salient scientific findings. Malone, though honed by countless appearances on various platforms, admitted this interview was special because of its potential impact on public opinion. Now, the conversation opened with Malone summarizing his bona fides, then describing his approach to engaging his audience. Listen to what he says here. I try really hard to get people the information and help them to think, not tell them what to think. Boy, there's a world of difference between those two concepts. Malone was true to his method throughout the interview, being careful to identify fact from speculation, noting what is observed without assuming intent, while helping Rogan further explore the rabbit holes that we inevitably encounter when choosing to look just a little further beyond what's become socially acceptable. The two spoke about Malone's recent loss of his Twitter account, 
the doctor was banned from the platform without warning or explanation. Now, he speculated it may have been due to one or both of his final two tweets, one of which brought attention to the Canadian COVID Care Alliance's summary of the Pfizer trial, the other to the World Economic Forum strategy for managing media around COVID. Rogan repeatedly voiced his concern around the silencing of opinions from legitimate experts. And this is what Dr. Malone said. He said, if it's not okay for me to be a part of the conversation, even though I'm pointing out facts that may be inconvenient, then who can be allowed? Virtually all others that have my background have conflicts of interest. I'm not getting any money out of this. Over the next two and a half hours, the two demonstrated how we can make sense of conflicting messaging and complex data by asking the right questions and being open to the answers, if those answers exist. So the vaccinologist, the inventor and staunch advocate for informed consent, told his personal story for get, of getting COVID, lo, suffering from long COVID, getting the Moderna vaccination, and suffering adverse events like stage 3 hypertension, heart arrhythmias, restless leg syndrome, and narcolepsy after the second jab. Rogan took full advantage of his time with Malone, asking the questions media refused to pose to their own self-identified experts. Now, the result was a full-scale repudiation of our pandemic response from its inception to the vaccine mandates that are in violation of the Nuremberg Code. Malone and Rogan thoroughly probed many angles of the present situation from T-cell dysfunction to the Trusted News Initiative. And I love that at least in uh, the Defender, uh, childrenshealthdefense.org, they actually give you some of the key points right with the time codes. Okay, at 2419, here's what they discussed. For 3840, they talked about this. It's a nice list of, of some of the high points that were hit, and they covered a lot of territory. Now, look, maybe this is, I, I don't want to make you angry by suggesting this, but there is a possibility that Dr. Malone is wrong. But I would think that a person who has honesty in their character would at least consider what the man has to say and weigh it against what other experts are saying, weigh it against the idea that, no, 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 this is so dangerous, you can't be trusted to even consider it. See, only one of those viewpoints to me seems like it would be conducive to uh, a people who are uh, living in reality and able to be fact-checkers for their own worldview, as opposed to children waiting for some responsible adult to, you know, tell them, this is what it all means, kids. Now, here's a ball, go play. Pretty crazy stuff. Now, I want to, I want to contrast this, okay? Um, maybe you're going to say, well, the Children's Health Defender, they're just, you know, they're, they're being biased in the way they're reporting on this Dr. Malone. So let me share a couple of excerpts on the very same story, only this time from the New York Post. This writer, not nearly as, uh, as uh, even-handed, starts out the piece, what a load of Maloney. YouTube has removed a New Year's Eve episode of Joe Rogan's experience featuring Dr. Robert Malone, a vaccine scientist notorious for making controversial statements regarding the COVID-19 jab. Now, I'm just going to explain that, you know, to be controversial about this, all you have to do is say anything that isn't in complete lockstep with what the prevailing narrative is. It's that simple. Controversial statements regarding this COVID-19 jab. Let me see if I can skip ahead here. Um, Oh, here we go. In the inflammatory podcast episode, 
Not something we could decide for ourselves. We have to have someone tell us it's inflammatory, which YouTube deleted mere hours after it appeared. Malone compared the current U.S. public health climate to Germany in the 1920s and 30s when the Nazis rose to power. Okay, now, I understand. Some people, oh, man, I can't believe, you know, you compared this to Hitler. But this is not an apples-to-apples comparison. There's nobody suggesting that Biden is goose-stepping around and, you know, that uh, that he's otherwise, you know, trying to grow a little funny mustache and, you know, be the supreme Fuhrer. But we are following many of the very same steps that led to the totalitarian problems in Nazi Germany. And if you know your history at all, you should be able to spot those telltale signs. Wait a minute. This group of of society is considered unclean, subhuman, denied rights, denied any ability to participate legally in public. Government uh, might is enforced at every turn. By the way, uh, Germany is doing a pretty good impression of herself back in the early 1930s, right now, with the way that it's handling COVID. I'm sorry if that offends people, but it's... The parallels are there, as are the parallels of why aren't people speaking up? Well, they are. But when they do, you know, well, that's a controversial stance to compare this. Now, they go on in in this article, and again, this is the New York Post, so take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, they're saying it was basically from European intellectual inquiry into what the heck happened in Germany in the 20s and 30s, argued the 62-year-old physician who claims... He invented the mRNA technology widely used in the COVID-19 vaccines. Interesting they would use that. I think it's pretty documented. He was working on it. Uh, Very intelligent, highly educated population, and they went barking mad. And Malone chalked up this so-called phenomenon to mass formation psychosis, claiming when you have a society that's become decoupled from each other and has free-floating anxiety in a sense that things don't make sense, we can't understand it. Then their attention gets focused by a leader or a series of events on one small point, just like hypnosis. They literally become hypnotized and can be led anywhere. Now, Forbes, of course, did a hit piece on Malone as well. And so this article dutifully reports, well, elsewhere in the interview, Malone reportedly made various unfounded statements regarding the coronavirus vaccine. Tell us what they are. They never tell you in this article. It's just, oh, well, if he's making unfounded statements, I guess we're supposed to con- to uh, conclude that obviously this is a man who can't be trusted. What exactly did he say? Why exactly was it unfounded? Come on, if you made the assertion, have the backbone to stand up and back it up. You'll love this next line, though. Our government is out of control on this, and they are lawless. The rogue scientist insisted. Now, I'll grant you, I don't know Dr. Malone personally, but a rogue scientist? Like, I mean, are we going to have to send in James Bond to, to rein this guy in? What he's saying is, and this is a quote, they completely, they the lockdowners, completely disregard bioethics. They completely disregard the federal common rule. They've broken all the rules that I know of that I've been trained on for years and years. These mandates of an experimental vaccine are explicitly Illegal. Now, previously, he had claimed that the Moderna and Pfizer shots would exacerbate infections, a statement that went against the prevailing research regarding vaccines, The Atlantic reported. Now, again, okay, so he's at odds with what the prevailing research regarding vaccines had had said. Who was right, though? 
in fact, let's let's just boil this down to people who have been vaccinated. Are they safe from getting the virus? Are they safe from spreading the virus? Come on, it's not a trick question. The answer is, yeah, they, they, they still can get it. They still can spread it. So it's, in fact, what, what they were once, what the press has been referring to as a, an epidemic of the, or a pandemic, rather, of the unvaccinated, is looking more and more with every passing day like a pandemic of the vaccinated. Now, I'm not suggesting that, therefore, the vaccine's causing it. I'm just suggesting that the evidence seems to show that it's not stopping it. People still have to show vaccine passports. People still, you know, mask and social distance. Nobody got anything back for their compliance. So I, I just share this with you to point out that uh, the interview is a very uh, watershed moment in the sense that you've got a very hostile press corps trying their best to enforce this narrative that is being pushed by the medical establishment, the political class and, and various other stakeholders who either, I don't know if they're invested in Big Pharma, I don't know if they're just invested in, this is the way to generate enough fear to get more control over people. But I love that it's having some negative side effects in the sense that people are, people are being drawn to this interview because they want to see for themselves. And I've seen this many times over my career, and and rarely on this grand of a scale. This is big. When you're talking tens of millions of people going, I want to check this out. I want to see this for myself. That's a pretty big tipping point. But I've seen it in in smaller cases, and I've seen it, you know, with personalities where people would say, "Oh, well, that this person is an absolute wild person. They're they're you know they're a maniac. They're an extremist." And the the harder their critics talk them up. The more people who really, you know, are disinterested and hadn't really didn't have a dog in the fight become tempted to say, I just want to see for myself. I just want to tune in and find out. I've had it said about me over my time. I know I'm pretty mellow now, but there was a time when I was throwing red meat with the very best of them. And, you know, I could get people all riled up. And every time someone would get angry and start a boycott or, you know, otherwise, you know, just go out there and proselytize about what an awful person that Mr. Hyde is. Pun intended. It would draw more people to tune in just to see for themselves. I think we're seeing a similar but much larger dynamic at work here. Oh, and and by the way, this is one of the cool things to note, too. Texas Congressman Troy Nels says, Today I submitted the transcript from the Joe Rogan Experience podcast episode 1757 with Robert Malone to the congressional record. Big tech wants to restrict your access to this information, but they cannot censor the congressional record. Okay, fair enough. You know, maybe we don't sit around reading the congressional record with our family, you know, over Sunday breakfast. But I do love the fact that this is being entered in as a matter of record. I mean, I think this may be a media miscalculation, and it could be a tipping point that breaks that stranglehold and that hypnosis that mass media, particularly heritage media, has had over so many people. In fact, I I have an article I'm going to share with you. I'm going to wait and do this in the next segment of the show. Talking about how the uh, mainstream media is losing. It's losing the fight, and it's all thanks to Joe Rogan. 
This was an article from uh, Quoth the Reagan, the to the Reagan. Sorry, that's that's the Freudian slip I've been making all day. Quoth the Raven Fringe Finance Substack, QTR. Pretty powerful stuff here. So, I hope you don't feel like I'm twisting your arm too hard. I'm not suggesting or intimating you're a bad person if you don't do this, if you don't, you know, step up and and check out this episode of the Joe Rogan Experience. But can we at least agree? that there is an ongoing, in fact, intensifying effort to limit the ideas and facts that you and I are allowed to consider. I've seen a couple of different uh, people do, do like a Google search for Joe Rogan, Dr. Malone interview. And, and I'll tell you, Google's algorithm does not make it easy to find. You go over to something like DuckDuckGo that isn't trying to, you know, suppress unpopular or unapproved opinions, and it pops right up. You do it on Google, and most likely you're going to get snarky articles like the one here from the New York Post or like from the Atlantic. Well, this fraudulent rogue scientist who is, you know, the, the source of everything that's evil in the world today is spreading misinformation. I know that that's backed with this implicit, hey, come on. Trust us. We're the media. We would we lie to you? Gee, I don't know. Let me let me think back to about 2015. Actually, I can think back a lot further than that. But just since 2015, how good a job have you been at telling the truth? How good a job have you done at telling the truth? And the answer is well, as long as it's something that favors you know our politics or our candidates or our interests. Yeah, we're absolutely telling you the truth. But I think trust for the media is, it's used car salesmen used to, used to be maligned for being untrustworthy. But compared to much of today's media, especially mass media, I mean, these guys are altar boys, every one of them. The used car salesmen, the, the sleazy ambulance chasing lawyers, why they are, they are just George Washington's, you know, in the rough. <laughs> it's bad. So I'm I'm excited to to report that, yeah. There's there's a very good chance that you could see mainstream media pivot, and I mean make a clear 180 in this coming year, and on the topic of COVID. But it's not going to be because somebody went in there and threatened them, or somebody uh, you know otherwise intimidated them into finally you know telling the truth. I think what's going to happen is they are going to look around, or they're doing it right now. They're looking at the writing on the wall, and they're seeing that no matter how hard they try to portray just the message that suits those who pay their paychecks, they've got personalities out there, influencers like Joe Rogan, and hundreds, maybe thousands of other voices doing their best to speak the truth and get it to as broad an audience as possible. Certainly this network is part of those efforts. Certainly my voice is part of those efforts. Chances are good you're probably doing it in your own personal life as well. And that's something to celebrate. Even though it's hard. Even though I know we've spent the better part. People who who didn't sign on to the whole lockdown mentality or who recognized it for the power grab and the implementation of long-lasting, ratcheted-down tyranny recognized it for what it is. We've not exactly been among the most popular. 
You know, if, if you're lucky, you just get deplatformed or you get warnings or your channel shut down or suspended or something. If you're really unlucky, uh, then you get whole articles written and, and very coordinated takedowns put out against you. Somehow we've got to we've got to cast this. And in Dr. Malone's case, you know, you're hearing people say, well, uh, this doctor was very difficult to work with and he was a credit hogger. And, you know, how can you trust what he's saying? Well, you know, I don't want to sound naive, but you uh, you put me in the company of people who are working on things like mRNA vaccine technology. I'm guessing you're probably dealing with people who are, um, if not the smartest person in the room, probably in the top five percent smartest people in the room. So, yeah, are those personalities strong? Might they also be a little bit brash? Absolutely. Still, listen to what they have to say, then decide. We'll be back in just a few moments. You are listening to the Disciples of Liberty show. I'm Brian Hyde in for Tim Alders. This is the America Out Loud Network. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Upon us, time flies when you're with people you love. Cheers to another year together, my fellow Americans, and thank you for being part of the journey. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of 2022 is upon us. Happy New Year, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back. This is the Disciples of Liberty show. My name is Brian Hyde. I'm sitting in for Tim Alders today. And you are listening to the America Out Loud Network. Doing your diligence. Checking a few other vantage points to see if you can get a better feel for how things are out there in the world. And it's looking pretty crazy, right? Can you imagine a time where, you know, we pretty much had to rely on three major networks and maybe PBS if they felt like reporting on something? To get your worldview of what was happening, you read the newspaper, maybe you read some books, periodicals at the library. I mean, we've we've simplified things a lot. All that information is right there at your fingertips, carried around, you know, on your phone. 
but there's more misinformation and propaganda out there than ever. And I want to share with you an article. This is from, again, the Quoth the Ravens Fringe Finance Substack. Now, this is a subscription substack, but um, there are other outlets like ZeroHedge.com that have reprinted this article. The title is, The Mainstream Media is Losing the Fight of Its Life, All Thanks to Joe Rogan. And I don't, I don't know who Quoth the Raven is, but I really like this person's take. And it starts with, a couple of things happened over the last 48 hours. So this writer says, first I came up with the idea of writing 100 predictions for the year 2022 for my blog, Fringe Finance. A blog post that I might still wind up finishing at some point. And second, I listened to the Joe Rogan Experience podcast interview of MRA inventor, Dr. Robert Malone, MD. Hours after the doctor was banned from Twitter for having opinions on COVID that stood at odds with the mainstream narrative. Now, the opinions that Malone echoed during his Rogan appearance included, but were not limited to, calling the government out of control and lawless in their COVID response, stating mandates of experimental vaccines are explicitly illegal, noting that India had success in treating COVID early with drugs like ivermectin, saying half a million excess deaths have occurred due to government actions, arguing that those with natural immunity have higher risk of vaccine adverse events and alleging that people are living through a mass formation psychosis. Now, the writer says, look, I'm not going to rehash all the doctor's points about COVID, but instead will say, I believe he made an extraordinary amount of thoughtful points that the mainstream media and big tech are too scared and or too stupid to touch on themselves. Now, there are links actually provided within the write-up. You can watch the clips or read a full write-up of Malone's interview and read a detailed thread of the interview couple of different hyperlinks. Among the 100 predictions this writer was going to make in his blog post was going to be calling for a drastic shift in the mainstream media in the coming year. So instead of 100 predictions, the writer decided to instead write this piece. Now, when the last hour of the podcast was coming to its conclusion, the writer says, I was just finishing an eight-mile run, and a thought dawned on me. This interview with Malone is now officially out there. No matter how much anyone tries to censor it, it can't be taken back. As we all know, nowadays, when you make it on the Joe Rogan experience, you have officially made it. Now, putting aside the obvious irony of Twitter attempting to ban somebody and put the person in question going viral as a result, or and, and the person in question going viral as a result, this writer says, I also thought about how, despite the fact that Malone's opinions put him at odds with the mainstream media, who would never dare have him on. Joe Rogan launched him past the usual media suspects into the real mainstream. And the writer says, I thought to myself that in 2022, the mainstream media as we know it today, and by this they mean CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, etc., is going to be forced to change its narrative on COVID. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, it'll never happen. The writer says, let me explain. The idea of the media being forced to change its tune on COVID is something I touched on a couple of days ago when I wrote about the Omicron variant and how the media is creating a mass hysteria mountain out of a molehill. But after listening to Dr. Malone's well-reasoned arguments delivered for three hours straight, concisely and calmly, it became clear to me that the entire mainstream media machine 
could wind up falling at the hands of content creators like Joe Rogan. It's an interesting little piece of game theory when you think about it. Rogan generates so many views and has grown so quickly strictly because he allows open dialogue, civil discourse, and approaches things with honest intent, that there's no financial incentive to deplatform him. Ever notice how YouTube apparently had no problem taking down Rogan's interview with Malone, but hasn't banned Rogan's channel from the site yet? See, one issue for media and political elites to consider is the fact that Rogan has supporters on both sides of the aisle. And these supporters watch him because he routinely touches on topics that are considered faux pas or irreverent. So the question of whether or not Rogan's legacy and impact are here and are going to remain here can be answered with a resounding yes. Rogan has thrived, whether intentionally bringing people on specifically because they're being censored or unintentionally just shooting the crap with people he finds interesting from the start by shining light in the dark areas that the mainstream media refuses to discuss. It's kind of like in the same way that Bitcoin unintentionally became a global phenomenon as a result of the negative consequences of central banking. Joe Rogan has become a global phenomenon at the hands of the negative consequences of how the mainstream media and big tech does business. He says, it reminds me of the scene in the 1989 version of Batman where Batman tells the Joker, I'm going to kill you, to which the Joker retorts, you idiot, you made me, remember? You dropped me into that vat of chemicals. That wasn't easy to get over, and don't think that I didn't try. And so, now as it stands, knobheads like Brian Stelter and his merry band of buffoons over at CNN who spent 2021 attacking Rogan have little choice but to fall in line behind him. You see, one of the great things about being the leader in an industry, in this case, media, is that you set the pace You dictate the tone, and you become the bar of expectation for integrity, honesty, open-mindedness, truthful dialogue, and creating discussion that benefits the greater good, and not just those who you serve. So Joe Rogan has raised the bar. Whether people on the left or on the right, in the media or in politics care or not, Not only has Rogan taken the lead by several lengths like Smarty Jones breaking loose around the final turn at Preakness, he has also inspired and created a whole new crop of content creators that are following his model. In other words, it isn't just Joe Rogan that the mainstream media is up against. It's the hundreds, if not thousands, of content creators that are either looking to build empires themselves, media empires, or are simply just inspired by open dialogue like the writer is inspired. He says, I think one of the results of the seismic shift is is actually the result is going to be several, several fold. But the most important revelation I've come to is that mainstream media is losing the fight of its life over the COVID narrative. And if there's one thing we can agree on, it's that COVID is a tie that binds all 7 billion people on planet Earth right now. Everybody knows about it, everybody is concerned about it, and everybody to some degree wants to stay informed about it. In fact, health officials and media have made it this way. Now, what they may not have known they were inadvertently doing, however, was opening up communication veins for people with integrity and honesty like Joe Rogan to dose them with a look at reason and honest inquiry. And this in turn created a benchmark for the world to compare the mainstream media to. 
revealing them to be the hysterical, sensational maniacs that they've become. Now, the writer reminds us, you know, the media's already taken a couple of serious losses during the Trump administration. When it came to Donald Trump, they manufactured most of the Russiagate story. They pushed the now-debunked Steele dossier. They covered up the Hunter Biden laptop story leading up to the election and routinely mangled Trump's words to make it look as though he was an open supporter of white supremacy, despite him actually saying just the opposite. See, the media got away with it. And it always had an audience... Because half the country hated Donald Trump to begin with, but now, on a global scale, everybody is interested in developments pertaining to COVID, whether we know it or not. And no matter how different our opinions are on COVID, we're all still unified by the same desires. In other words, we want health. We want security. We want to love our families, and we want to be productive members of our community, and we all want to live a life with purpose and meaning. So the bottom line is COVID has unified us more than we know. These tenets usurp our political biases, whether we know it or not. They also become vessels for earnest discussion about finding objective truths about COVID that will collectively benefit mankind. And if you think the numbskulls in the mainstream media had the fourth dimensional chess skills necessary to see this coming, you've obviously never watched Don Lemon's analysis of, well, anything. And the writer says, don't try to tell me change isn't being affected already. Have you seen recent reports about CNN essentially changing its entire programming lineup? Likely due to a major ratings collapse. As reported by Zero Hedge back in November, citing former media-ite and IJR managing editor and former breaking news editor at the DC Examiner, John Nicosia, CNN is going to revert to a 100% news channel and a good number of CNN's talent slash staff will be fired as part of a major shakeup. Now, the author here says, have you seen the rise of sites like Substack, which you're reading this article on right now, because of the censorship that the mainstream media's narrative has forced onto the populace? Have you seen the customers and subscribers willing to pay for content? Because even if you're not always right, they know that you have a vested interest in finding the truth and trying to speak about it honestly. Quotha Raven says, I've seen it. When I started this blog in August 2021, I didn't expect that anyone would sign up. Much like my podcast, my goal was only to speak openly and honestly about the issues that I thought were important and were not being covered extensively enough. Four years after starting my podcast, I have more than 5 million listens. Six months after the launch of my blog, I have about 10,000 people on my email list. More than I thought I'd have in 10 years of writing. Now, he says, is it because I'm a great thought leader? Hell no. It's because people are desperate for truth and honesty. And it's a perfect example of how powerful the new wave of media is that's on its way. Again, he says, I don't want to harp on the details of Robert Malone's interview. I encourage you to watch it and as a hyperlink to get you there. But what I do want to say is that I'm predicting for 2022 that the media is going to make one of the biggest pivots on any topic it has ever made on COVID. Now, you'll think to yourself, shouldn't be a problem. After all, the media follows the truth. So what's so tough about making a pivot on a story? But he says, let's get real. We all know that the media, both sides of the aisle, hates to correct itself, hates to pivot, and hates to do anything but double down on narratives that it's being fed 
regardless of whether or not they are objectively true. So for 2022, he says, I'm going to make a bold prediction. The media and maybe even politicians are going to start to realize that the narratives they've been pushing with regard to COVID, lockdowns, vaccinations, and our economy are no longer being accepted at face value by their viewers. The same capitalistic engine keeping Joe Rogan on the air is going to force the change in legacy media. And while they may not correct themselves totally or do a full 180-degree turn, they will fall in line behind those breaking new ground in the space, content creators like Rogan. And they'll start to commit more to reason and less to political narratives. Now, the author says, I feel confident in making this prediction because I am confident that the survival of many media empires depends on it. Now, he says, I know a lot of my readers are going to tell me this is nonsense and I'll be eating crow within a year. That's fine. I won't be surprised if a major change doesn't happen either, but I felt strongly enough about it that I wanted to put it down and timestamp it today. If not for any reason other than to start the year with an optimistic outlook that positive change could be on its way. I think that's pretty cool. I think that's actually one of the things that uh, that may be worth your time is to be a part of that. Maybe you don't feel like you could speak out. You know, you don't want to host your own show. You don't want to host a video channel. Maybe you want to blog. I don't know. I'm just suggesting that if you if you know truth and you feel like you have, I don't know how to, how to call it anything, but like a calling to speak that truth, do it. I don't think there are accidents. And I don't mean to scare anybody, but I think sometimes God sets us in circumstances where we are given the opportunity to step up and really see what we can become. But here's the thing. It's scary. And you might be criticized. In fact, you're going to be criticized. I'll guarantee. If you're actually doing something that's having impact, without question, you are going to receive opposition. You're going to be misinterpreted, you're going to be misrepresented, you're going to be slandered, you're going to be called names, people questioning your motives. What are you really doing this for? I know the uh, Atlantic author who interviewed, uh, the Atlantic writer who interviewed Dr. Robert Malone kept hitting him over and over and over again with this, this idea that, well, but why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Over and over, just could not leave that question alone. And the reason for that is because that reporter simply could not get it through his head that a person might speak the truth, even at some personal cost and risk, without a huge financial motive. And I I mean, maybe this is me projecting here, but I think that probably says more about the character of that interviewer than it does the character of the doctor who's saying, what do you mean? I have a duty to speak up when I see something that that isn't right. I mean, ask yourself, you know, how conditional are your morals? Do you only do the right thing when there's a good financial payoff in it for you or some kind of perceived advancement in your career or social standing? I'm guessing probably not. I can't imagine that you would, uh, I don't imagine that you would flock to the kind of programming that you'll find here on the America Out Loud Network. I don't know that you would could, would come to a show titled Disciples of Liberty if truth was a very low priority to you over, you know, simply winning. So you're probably on the right path. 
Just understand, there is, there is nothing wrong. There is something actually supremely honorable about being willing to speak the truth in the face of really unreasonable opposition. By the way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop another little bomb on you here. This is something that uh, Robert Malone wrote about just a couple of days ago. What if the largest experiment on human beings in history is a failure? Now, I'm not going to go into huge detail on this because I think it's something you may want to check out for yourself. But he says, a seasoned stock analyst colleague texted me, texted me a link today. Again, this is Dr. Malone saying this. When I clicked it open, I could hardly believe what I was reading. What a headline. Indiana Life Insurance CEO says deaths are up 40% among people ages 18 to 64. Now, this headline is a nuclear truth bomb masquerading as an insurance agent's dry manila envelope full of actuarial tables. And Dr. Malone says, hey, people frequently write to Jill and myself, people we've never met. They call, they arrive at the farm by appointment or unannounced. They fill our email inboxes with their inquiries. They all want something. Time, attention, an interview. Many want to tell us about their fear, illnesses, nightmares, or what seems like outright paranoid conspiracies. And then over time, these fears and conspiracies keep getting confirmed. As Jan Kiliak, let me try that again. Jan Jakielek, a senior editor with the Epic Times, recently said, it's getting harder and harder to tell which are mere conspiracy theories and which are true reality. Dr. Malone says one farm visitor told me of his foreshadowing massive numbers of death within three years consequent to the genetic vaccines. And this was all about the Great Reset and the depopulation agenda of the World Economic Forum. And Dr. Malone says I tried to reassure him that in my opinion this was highly unlikely while privately thinking about how easily people fall into this type of conspiracy ideation and how I need to be careful to avoid going there when confronting so many public health decisions that appear either incompetent or nefarious. Now, he says, at the time, I only knew of the World Economic Forum as the host of a big annual party in Davos, Switzerland, where the uber-rich and the hoi oligoi of the Western nations went to watch TED Talks and drink the best wine and see and be seen. Silly me. He says, what a long, strange trip this has been. I doubt that even Hunter S. Thompson could have imagined it in his most drug and booze-addled state. Suffice it to say, he says, I nominate Ralph Stedman as official illustrator of the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic, or a resurrected Hieronymus Bosch. But he says, I'm wandering from a point that I'm afraid to clearly state. And it's this. He says, I am... It is starting to look to me like the largest experiment on human beings in recorded history has failed. And if this rather dry report from a senior Indiana life insurance executive holds true, then Reiner Fulmich's crimes against humanity push for convening new Nuremberg trials starts to look a lot less chaotic and a lot more prophetic. Now he says, here's what lit me up in this report from the Center Square contributor, uh, Mark, Margaret Mengi, quote, the head of Indianapolis-based insurance company One America said the death rate is up a stunning 40% from pre-pandemic levels among working-age people. We are seeing right now the highest death rates we've seen in the history of this business, not just at One America. The company's CEO, Scott Davidson, said during an online news conference this weekend, The data is consistent across every player in that business. 
One America is a $100 billion insurance company that has its headquarters in Indianapolis and has had them there since 1877. The company has approximately 2,400 employees and sells life insurance, including group life insurance, to employers in the state. Davison says the increase in deaths represents huge, huge numbers. And that it's not elderly people who are dying, but primarily working age people, 18 to 64, who are the employees of companies that have group life insurance plans through One America. He said, and what we saw just in third quarter, we're seeing it continue into fourth quarter, is that death rates are up 40% over what they were pre-pandemic. Now, to give you an idea of just how bad that is, A Three Sigma, or one in 200-year catastrophe, would be an increase of 10% over pre-pandemic. So 40% is just unheard of. Now, what's driving all this this unprecedented surge in all-cause mortality? Well, the article says most of the claims for deaths being filed are not classified as COVID-19 deaths. Davison said what the data is showing to us is that the deaths are being reported as COVID deaths greatly understate the actual death losses among working age people from the pandemic. It may not all be COVID on their death certificate, but the deaths are up just huge, huge numbers. Dr. Malone says take a moment to read the entire article. Now, let's continue on assuming that you have. He says, at minimum, based on my reading, one has to conclude that if this report holds true and is confirmed by others in the dry world of life insurance actuaries, we have both a huge human tragedy and a profound public policy failure of the U.S. government and U.S. health and human services system to protect and serve the citizens that pay for this service. If this holds true, then the genetic vaccines so aggressively promoted have failed and the clear federal campaign to prevent early treatment with life-saving drugs has contributed to a massive, unavoidable loss of life. At worst, this report implies that the federal workforce workplace vaccine mandates have driven what appear to be a true crime against humanity. Massive loss of life in presumably workers that have been forced to accept a toxic vaccine at higher frequency relative to the general population of Indiana. Furthermore, he says, we have been living through the most massive, globally coordinated propaganda and censorship campaign in the history of the human race. All major mass media and social media technology companies have coordinated to stifle and suppress any discussion of the risks of the genetic vaccines and or alternative early treatments. And he says, if this report holds true, there must be accountability. We are not just talking about running over the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States and grinding it into the mud with an army of artificial intelligence-powered heavy infantry. This article reads like a dry description of an avoidable mass casualty event caused by a mandated experimental medical procedure. One for which all opportunities for the victims to have become self-informed about the potential risks have been methodically erased both from the Internet and public awareness by an international corrupt cabal operating under the flag of the Trusted News Initiative. He says George Orwell must be spinning in his grave. I hope I'm wrong, but he says I fear I'm right. 
I know, that's pretty sobering. And I, you know, I apologize for dropping that on your feet. But I think it's something that's probably worth considering. And what it brings to mind to me is that, look, this is probably a time where courage and confidence are as necessary as ever. Let's take a quick side trip here into the difference between courage and confidence and how to build them both. I'm going to lean on my friend Paul Rosenberg for this. He says, courage and confidence aren't magic. They're built, just like other aspects of human character are built. But if we want it, if we want these, and he says, I think we should, then we have to develop them the old-fashioned way with work. But before we go on, let's define confidence and courage. Confidence, he says, is an opinion you hold about yourself. You either believe that you're able to do a thing or you don't. You either believe that you have innate ability or you don't. Courage is your ability to make decisions and hold to them in the face of fear. So courage is about what you do, not what you feel. And he says the first complication for building confidence and courage is that counterfeit methods abound. There are many people in groups that will tempt you with shortcuts. And the game is this. They give you something that looks and feels like confidence and courage, but only if you're inside their group. So it's a safety in numbers trick. A terror of personal responsibility trick. But he says, please remember, groups are not better than individuals. They're worse. So don't fall for a counterfeit. Real confidence and real courage are formed inside of you. The fast, cheap courage of joining the group is a fake. Truth be told, it's a kind of stealth enslavement, and it's fragile. So let's talk about building confidence and courage. He says, when it comes to building courage, we'll deal with physical courage. In the next installment. So this is about moral courage. But he says, first he says, please believe me that our world is in jeopardy, not for lack of physical courage, but for lack of moral courage. That's the kind that really matters. And with that said, we can begin with one of John Wayne's very best lines. Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. Courage is the ability to act in the face of legitimate fears. And you have to build this ability just like you build your muscles. So that means you start at a low level of courage and then build up to a high level. Courage grows just little by little and only with effort. So if courage is built, then something else is true. And that means to act cowardly does not make you a permanent coward. So you can always do better next time, as long as you try again next time. And he uses the image of a weightlifter, maybe a great champion. He can lift hundreds of pounds, but when he started, he failed many times to lift even fractions of what he can lift now. He only became a champion after he decided not to quit, even when he failed a lot and even when things were very hard. It's the same with courage. If you face a scary situation and act as a coward, that's not the end for you. You can come back and do better and come back the time after that and do better still. And then after a long time, people will watch you and wonder, how can you have so much courage in the face of adversity? I mean, that rings true. That sounds like a true pattern to me. Building courage is difficult, but you can do it. And if you fail at first, get up and do it again. Here are the usual steps. You make up your mind to do better next time. You imagine how you'll face things differently. You force yourself to do things you don't feel like doing. Learn to overcome your instincts with your will. Stand up for what's right, even against a crowd. Now keep in mind, this has been done by millions of other people. That means you can too, even if it requires hard, consistent effort. Now confidence 
That's a different matter. That's an opinion you hold about yourself. So the first question you have to ask her, ask yourself is, are you judging yourself properly? Are you accurate in what you think you can or cannot do? Don't hide your ability. Don't, don't hide your light. Look, we're all born with different basic abilities. Some of them, you know, we all have in common, but there are many others where applied ability is built with practice. That's things from physical skills to making moral judgments. So what Paul Rosenberg is saying is, if you want to build ability, you've got to act. And as you act, notice your actions and your results. Decide what worked better or worse and then improve your actions. Soon enough, you'll become a confident person as well as a courageous person. I'm Brian Hyde. I'm sitting in for Tim Alders. This is the Disciples of Liberty show on the America Out Loud Network.